Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, a Ukrainian military official says they have received the first shipment of the banned cluster munitions from the United States. The United Nations says at least 87 bodies have been discovered in a mass grave in Sudan's west Darfur, including those of women and children. And China and ASEAN countries have reaffirmed their commitment to advancing their comprehensive strategic partnership. Starting in Europe, a Ukrainian military official says Kyiv has received the first shipment of the banned cluster munitions from the United States. The controversial U.S. decision to supply the cluster munitions, which is banned in more than 100 countries, has been criticized by several countries, including its allies. Meantime, Ukraine says Russia has launched drone attacks on Kyiv for the third consecutive day. Stephanie Fried reports. This is the third successive night of drone strikes. The first night, 28 were launched, 26 intercepted. The second night, 15 launched, 11 intercepted. And then overnight, 20 that Ukraine says, the military says they intercepted all of them. Um, Damage in Kyiv, several people injured, not quite sure if a person who was killed at the site of one of the drone strikes was killed because of that or something else. Conflicting reports there. But there seems to be a pattern. Uh, There was linkage certainly to the NATO summit with the other drone strikes. But overnight, now it seems like more, again, like a pattern. And also you noted these uh, cruise missiles, the caliber missiles. Ukraine's military also saying that they were launched from the Black Sea onto the city of Mykolaiv. Um, And it's unclear. It seems that they were intercepted as well. So it seems that Ukraine's military, they are pridefully saying that they are their success rate in interception is quite high. The U.S. pledged as part of an $800 million uh, weapons package to Ukraine. So for now, the announcement to be forthcoming that the cluster munitions have arrived very speedy. Why are they controversial? Because they're bomblets that when they drop, they drop as bomblets, they spread out, and it, it's not specific, not precise in targeting. They have often have about a, up to a 40% rate of not exploding, which means later, unsuspected people may come across them and be harmed or killed. Nonetheless, this, Ukraine says, will give it the advantage right now in the current campaign. That was Stephanie Fried reporting. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan has reiterated his support for Sweden's bid to join NATO. However, Erdogan says the Turkish parliament will not rectify the membership before October. Meanwhile, analysts say Turkey has benefited from this strategic move to support Sweden's NATO accession. Mahal Bardavid explains. After the conclusion of the NATO summit in Vilnius, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan reiterated that he believes the Turkish parliament will ratify Sweden's NATO membership bid. However, he added it would only happen after Turkish lawmakers return from their summer recess. Erdogan emphasized that Sweden will provide a roadmap outlining the measures it intends to take against terrorism before the ratification takes place. On Monday, during a meeting hosted by NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg, Turkey and Sweden agreed on a new bilateral security compact that will meet annually at a ministerial level. After the talks, Stoltenberg also announced that NATO for the first time would establish a post of special coordinator for counterterrorism. 
Some analysts stress that this development is critical for Ankara. That was Michal Bartovit reporting. Still in Europe, Germany has approved a strategy paper for its relations with China. It points to a systemic rivalry with China and a need to reduce risks of economic dependency. The paper also highlights Berlin's desire to work with Beijing on global challenges such as climate change. The Chinese foreign ministry says China and Germany share more consensus than divergence, and collaboration far outweighs rivalry. Spokesperson Wang Wenbing notes that any form of de-risking would only result in the politicization of normal cooperation. The Chinese embassy in Germany says viewing China as a systemic rival does not accord with reality, nor does it benefit either side's interests. Chen Murray reports. Not long after it was released, we、uh, got a statement from、uh, China's embassy. The embassy says that forcibly de-risking based on ideological prejudice and competition anxiety will only be counterproductive and artificially intensify risks. The embassy goes on to say that it hopes Germany views China's development rationally, comprehensively, and objectively, and that many of the challenges facing Germany have not been caused by China. Now, one thing I will say is that there is very much an Overarching theme in that strategy that even in their areas that are agreement or areas where there are disagreements, that what is really fundamental is dialogue and communication, and and making sure that those channels of communication remain firmly open between、uh, Berlin and Beijing, of course, to avoid any sort of、uh, misunderstandings or miscalculations on some of these key、uh, geopolitical issues. That was Chen Murray on German's new China strategy. Turning to Africa. As African countries work to find a solution to the deadly conflict in Sudan, a grim discovery has been made in the country's West Darfur region. The United Nations says at least 87 bodies have been discovered in a mass grave, including those of women and children, outside Algenina. The UN's Human Rights Agency says the victims were killed last month, and it blames the paramilitary group RSF for the deaths. Ravina Shamdasani is the spokesperson for a UN High Commission for Human Rights. Relief workers must be able to record all available information, including taking proper photos of the bodies and identifying the location of the graves. We call on the RSF leadership to immediately and unequivocally condemn and stop the killing of people and to end violence and hate speech against people on the basis of their ethnicity. Meantime, the RSF has denied any involvement, saying the group is not a party to fighting in West Darfur. With the fighting approaching its fourth month, Egypt has become the latest country to try and mediate the crisis in Sudan. A new mediation initiative was unveiled at a summit in Cairo with Sudan's neighbors, the African Union and the Arab League. The proposal includes establishing a committee among Sudan's neighboring countries to try to reach a permanent ceasefire. Several agreements brokered by Saudi and U.S. mediators have failed to end the fighting. Yasser Hakim reports. In their keynote speeches, the summit leaders collectively warned of the situation in Sudan and the urgent need to reach a permanent ceasefire to protect the country and its people. Like any conflict, the consequences are catastrophic on the civilians, and it forces them to be displaced, whether inside or outside Sudan. Our sisterly nation of Sudan is bleeding. The moment in 2020 we had all celebrated, which signaled a new beginning for a democratic and a stable Sudan, has now 
vanished. After a closed session, the African leaders endorsed an Egyptian initiative announced in the final declaration. It includes establishing a committee of the foreign ministers of the seven neighbors. Their role is to present a practical and effective plan to achieve a permanent ceasefire in Sudan, conduct direct talks with Sudanese sides to outline a roadmap for peace in coordination with the African Union and Arab League, adopt an effective mechanism that will limit the impact of Sudan conflict on its neighbors. The first meeting of this committee will be in Chad. The initiative did not include the deployment of a peacekeeping force in Sudan, a proposal rejected by Sudan's government at the IGAD summit this week. The final statement confirmed the need to maintain the sovereignty and unity of Sudan and that the neighbors should lead the way to a successful resolution. The neighbors of Sudan specifically are the most affected by the crisis and the most aware of its complications, which requires that our countries unify our vision and stance towards the crisis and take united decisions to help solve the conflict. But there were warnings it would be a tough challenge, citing the failed attempts for reconciliation by regional and international powers since fighting broke out in mid-April. This is a good initiative, but it's the beginning of a very long process to transform the Sudanese people from danger to safety. It will need huge efforts, time and capabilities. Huge efforts indeed, but time is not a luxury anymore. The leaders at the summit have made it clear they seek a quick solution to the Sudan conflict because they have acknowledged that a prolonged crisis would have a damaging political, economic and social impact on the region. That was Yasser Hakim reporting from Cairo. And finally in Asia, China and ASEAN countries have reaffirmed their commitment to advancing their comprehensive strategic partnership. Senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi told a meeting of ASEAN foreign ministers in Jakarta that China is ready to strengthen solidarity and coordination with the regional group to advance modernization in Asia. On the sidelines of the meeting, Wang held a series of meetings with foreign ministers from ASEAN countries as well as Japan and South Korea. Wang Yi also met Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov, U.S. Secretary of State Tony Blinken, and Australian Foreign Minister Penny Wong. Salkina Aluwalia reports. Peaceful, stable, and prosperous. That is how Indonesia's Foreign Minister Retno Marsudi describes China and ASEAN's partnership over the decades. China has been a key partner for the region, and this year, amid growing challenges, this partnership is even more crucial. China and ASEAN... Um, Cooperation will be the best way out, so economic sanctions, boycotts, and unilateralism is really unnecessary. China is a very beneficial economic power to ASEAN, and their contribution is needed to foster positivity within the ASEAN region. Veronica says China also plays an important role in the global supply chain. And during this uncertain economic climate, the ASEAN countries need China's role and support in the development of its domestic production. This includes food security and climate cooperation. Indonesia's foreign minister describes this gathering as a family meeting, and even using those words signifies the importance of unity and togetherness among the leaders here. In that spirit of unity, senior Chinese diplomat Wang Yi met his U.S. counterpart Anthony Blinken. In recent months, experts described China and U.S. relations as unstable. However, this meeting has provided a platform for both countries to find a common ground. 
ASEAN is pleased to see like uh, you know the development and uh, the continuously positive development between ASEAN between the United States and China. We know like over the past few months we have seen like high level visit uh, from the United States uh, to China. Uh, like Secretary Blinken has visited before, and recently Secretary Yellen also visited China. And I think like ASEAN will benefit will gain benefit from a stable relations between like uh, the great powers because they are dialogue partners of ASEAN and you know we have cooperated so much with these uh, countries. ASEAN's strength lies in resiliency. In a rapidly evolving economy, the China-ASEAN partnership is crucial. For decades, leaders have worked together, fostering a regional architecture based on shared prosperity, collaboration and peace. That was Salkina Aluwalia in Jakarta. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. A Ukrainian military official says they have received the first shipment of the banned cluster munitions from the United States. The United Nations says at least 87 bodies have been discovered in a mass grave in Sudan's West Darfur, including those of women and children. And China and ASEAN countries have reaffirmed their commitment to advancing their comprehensive strategic partnership. And that concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.